Grab your party favors, formal wear, and 80s shoulder pads. It's a 1985 all-star party for Ronald Dutch Reagan next. The following program is brought to you in living color. As early as 1923, David Sarnoff recognized the possibility of developing a television system. This is the dimension of imagination. You've got spunk. You did it, Benny? No! You are a meat. This is CBS. Bang! Zoom! I don't believe what I just saw! I shall resign the presidency effective at noon tomorrow. Hi, Caramba! That's the way it is. What is it, Higgins? I want the truth. Oh yeah! Now I remember. It's inside the box. The TV history podcast. Live from beautiful West Windsor Township, New Jersey. It's inside the box's all-star salute to the all-star party for Dutch Reagan. Starring Andrew J. Salvati, Lonnie Hall, Ben Vereen, Steve Voorhees, Burt Reynolds, Betty White, Jonathan Bullinger, Charlton Heston, Emmanuel Lewis, Dean Martin, and of course the chairman of the board himself, Frank Sinatra, with orchestra conduction by Nelson Riddle and a special musical salute to America by Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet. Now... Your host of hosts, the historian's historian, Andrew J. Salvati. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for that, Jonathan. I think that is probably the first and last time my name will ever be associated with any of those people. Um, and, I, and I just have to say, um, by way of introduction, you know, thanks, guys, for making me watch this. This, this was uh, – I'm, I'm not sure if uh, – well, I'm sure, Jonathan and Steve, you probably know. I'm not really a, a celebrity guy, um, so this is kind of – uh, a little strange turf for me, but um, oh god! I mean, it, this intersection with politics is just too priceless to pass this up. So, um, so, so, thanks for the distinct privilege of of, of getting to watch this uh, this week. <laughs> and and I must say, uh, looking around the studio, Steve, Andrew, you're both looking fantastic this evening in your respective tuxedos. This is a uh, appropriate because of uh, this is one heck of a gala event, as uh, as Andrew meant, uh, had mentioned. Uh, what a night is a, is ahead of us. Um, did you guys have you ever seen anything like this before in your in your relatively young lives? Such such a special night for politics, entertainment, and uh, showmanship. I mean, like the only thing that that I'm thinking of that comes close is the White House, you know, correspondence dinner every May. But I mean, this is a completely different animal because it is, <laughs> you know, it. it, it it, it doesn't really have anything to do with politics per se. I mean, it's it's Dutch, um, and I think we're going to call him I, Dutch uh, during this episode. But, you know, it's him going back to his old crowd, so it doesn't really fall within the ambit of, you know, the presidency at all. It's just this other charity event that he went to. Um, so it kind of has this completely different feel to it. And, oh, by the way, our former colleague Dutch just happens to be president now. Right, right, right. Yeah. The politics are under the surface, but they're clear. I mean, they're, <laughs> it is totally clear. And I think the difference with the correspondence dinner is that night you're exchanging jabs, right? You're taking as many cheap shots as you can right. back and forth. And and here, Dean Martin is the only one who very yeah. subtly makes a couple of jokes about the president, <laughs> but it's in that good gesture and nothing like the correspondence dinner where there is not one no. one negative note in this entire show, yeah. if you will. No, and and that's what's so that's what's so funny about it, and we'll we'll, we'll get into some specifics there there in a second. But um, all kidding kidding around aside. Um, we're going to be joking around quite a bit this episode, so if you've actually downloaded us before and, and listened to some other episodes, this one's going to certainly be much more lighthearted. Um, this episode is not about a particular technology or a particular era in television, but rather this single televised event, which, uh, which if you didn't don't know, and I certainly didn't, uh, it occurred in December of 1985. Um, Steve actually was the one that introduced me to this. And Steve, do you remember uh, how you became aware of this salute to Dutch Reagan? Yeah, uh, this was found in the archives of uh, I have a 93-year-old grandfather who uh, had a retirement video. He had worked for General Electric. And so Uh, Reagan, very big Reagan fan he was and is. uh, And um, he asked if I could uh, dub his retirement video from VHS to DVD. So I'm doing it for him. And what comes on at the end of the retirement video? 
this all-star party for Dutch <laughs> Reagan. And I'm curious, so I sit and I watched it for the full hour and in total amazement and said, I have to share this with folks. So yeah. You totally get drawn into this thing, though. I mean, you, you just sit Absolutely. down and you start watching it and you, and you have to finish it. My only regret is I wish he had taped the circus special with oh, B. I Arthur know, following this event. Uh, and unfortunately, the VCR <laughs> cuts off at that point. But uh, this totally had me... Um, had, had me uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Just enthralled over, awed, enthralled. Yeah, enthralled yeah. is a good word there. But uh, for a lo- with a, a loss for words, <laughs> it had me at a loss for words and totally enthralled for the full hour. And I even stuck stuck around and watched the commercials without fast yeah. forwarding. So, well, for those of you who are like us, you just never heard of this damn thing. It was called an All Star Party for Dutch Reagan, produced by uh, something called Variety Club International. Uh, I, I wasn't familiar with Variety Club, but apparently it was and, and still is a showbiz-affiliated charity that works primarily on providing money and resources uh, for children with disabilities. And um, and when Steve, uh, you know, when you sent me the original link to this video, I really, I felt almost the same way as I did back when I was an undergraduate. I don't know if you remember when v- VHS tapes would kind of be passed around before pre-internet. I'm not or maybe really I'm, sure what a VHS tape yeah, is. I guess I'm predating myself. <laughs> but I remember in a dorm room, someone gave me a tape and said, yeah, it's this thing. It's Jesus versus Santa. And it, we didn't we didn't have the oh, context right. of yeah. this is South Park. It was just right. Jesus versus Santa. I thought it was the most brilliant thing in the world, and uh, and and I just got such a kick out of it. And I had that same feeling uh, when Steve uh, sent me this link through Google Docs. I was just like, oh my god, this is just <laughs> just, a, just an absolute treasure. Um, but first, and, and somewhat quick, quickly, just a, just a few caveats. Um, just so you know, and I don't think this is a real big worry, but we're in no way disparaging or making light of the good work this charity did uh, or does. In fact, the, the seemingly politically bulletproof nature of their work really leads me to believe why it was just so popular for certain entertainers to endorse. I mean, kids with disabilities. I mean, this is what you get if you don't want to be in any way political, right? I mean, who's, yeah, going, yeah. To, who's going to charge you? Uh, with any sort of uh, uh, silliness or or, or, or or wreck your reputation because you can say, well, I, I was trying to help kids. I mean, it's, right. it's very bulletproof, very safe. Um, so so we're not in any way trying to, to make light of that, but really what we're trying to make light of is, is what strikes us so funny about all this is really the overtopness of this, this sort of old-timey, schmaltzy Hollywood love fest for Reagan. And for those uh, who, who don't know or who don't know, he was really never a major star in Hollywood. Uh, at best, I think he made the top five list uh, one year as the best of young young Hollywood, not not all of Hollywood. And uh, and though we'll hear later from Moses himself, Mr. Chuck Heston, uh, Reagan did earn his Hollywood stripes by later serving as a SAG, and for those that don't know, that's the Screen Actors Guild president, uh, for multiple years. Um, and eventually, uh, for those, again, I assume you know, but if you don't, he eventually outgrew the Hollywood establishment that he never quite ruled in when he was elected governor of California back in 67, uh, at a relatively older age of, of, of 56. What's interesting, though, is, is just, that he, just as he had learned riding the, the sort of Hollywood roller coaster, meaning in Hollywood, one year you're up and the next year down. That's sort of why you never burn bridges. That's one of the cardinal rules of showbiz. Because, you know, you, the guy who's below you one year means he'll be on top the next year and you want to stay in good with him. Well, as president of the United States, Reagan in 1985 was was way up because he had just crushed Mondale winning uh, 49 of the 50 states and beginning a second term on January 20th, 1985. And of course, this is if we're talking about this roller coaster metaphor, this is right before the next big dip of the Iran uh, Contra scandal and also controversial bombing of Libya in 1986. Uh, and then if you really extrapolate that farther, then he gets point brown, big brownie points for for helping uh, uh, uh Resolve the Cold War, you know. At the right. This presidency. was um, just after Geneva, I think. The talks with uh, Gorbachev, which I believe were in yes. November, and this this special was taped and aired on network television in December. Yeah. There's even reference to that. Um, Nancy is introduced right. as the first lady of Geneva. Geneva right? Yeah. So, yeah. so this is, I mean, this is a president who is absolutely riding high, seemingly bulletproof. Um, being saluted by old friends in one of the lightest ways possible. And of course, if you if you knew anything about Reagan's presidency at the time, you probably rolled your eyes at this. And now that we get the advantage of seeing it uh, in some total, it's hilarious to find this sort of gem in the middle of it all where he, he, he sort of lo- lauded like this. But the specifics really of this episode is that this this particular all-star party, and there were others that were done for other stars, this was taped at NBC Studios in Burbank, uh, California, on Sunday, December 1st, 1985, and then was broadcast the following Sunday on December 8th, 1985, uh, somewhat surprisingly, uh, on CBS. 
Now, on paper, it was really a win-win-win for all involved, if you think about it. Reagan was made to feel validated as a Hollywood star by actual Hollywood stars, because, again, uh, he'd never been a huge, huge star. He was, he was a sort of semi-star. And these Hollywood stars, many long past their glory days, well, they got to say that they ate with the president on television, and that's, pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty good thing. And part of CBS's broadcast rights actually went directly to Variety Club Charities' uh, uh, budget to help those uh, sick children. And uh, just a little research for this. According to L.A. Times reporting regarding the event, the event was even catered by the uh, famous old Hollywood restaurant Chasen's, which, doing additional research, was a favorite of uh, Dutch and Nancy for years. Um, And from the broadcast itself, we know that uh, Variety Club had previously honored uh, specific stars such as Lucille Ball and and Burt Reynolds. Burt, of course, is in attendance this evening. Um, So as much as we'd love just to sit back and watch this entire episode with you – for the sake of time, we're just going to look at some of the more amusing clips from the episode, um, as well as some actual commercials run during the broadcast. And I, uh, I encourage each and every one of you, please uh, go on YouTube, put in All-Star uh, Party for Dutch Reagan. Oh, it comes right up. It comes right up. We will also embed the link to, uh, to this uh, on, our, on our page. Um, but what you're about to witness really is an assemblage of television, film, and musical talent basically crammed onto a soundstage in Burbank, California, to pay homage to Dutch Reagan in one of the most overblown, saccharine, self-congratulatory, and backslapping black tie affairs that Hollywood knows how to do oh so well. Uh, the jokes are not terribly funny, there are songs that are surprisingly sung terribly, and there are unintentionally awkward moments. And certain stars who, quite frankly, they look like they should have been left in their graves for the evening. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, before we start watching some of these clips, that um, this show was, you know, quite popular at the time. You know, uh, it actually uh, it won its time slot on the night uh, that it aired. And, you know, if you think about it, it's, you know, it's right between the holidays when it was broadcast. I think it was like the second week in December. It's kind of like this feel good. You know, you see, you know, all of, uh, you know, Hollywood, the big names turn up. And um, so, yeah, I just thought that that was interesting. You know, I mean, we were kind of taking this, you know, ironic perspective on it here, um, you know, today. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it actually, uh, it, it did pretty well when it aired. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised by that, but then again, I didn't do my homework and I didn't look at what it was up against. So like, uh, uh, uh if it was up, at, uh, up against good competition, I'm surprised, but if it was up against lukewarm stuff, um, then, uh, it well, was, uh, what's up? It's on Sunday night. Right. So yeah. It was up like, against, uh, NBC's Amazing Stories and Alfred Hitchcock Presents and ABC's MacGyver. Wow. Um, but it did um, this, you know, I'm referring here um, to a, uh, I think this is an Associated Press uh, article from 85. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, the, the article does mention that it had a pretty good lead-in from um, CBS's uh, 60 Minutes. Uh, yeah. So the folks who are, right. you know, watching that kind of stuck around for this intersection of, you know, celebrity and, and right. politics yeah. later on, I and, guess. And for a personal antidote, for my grandfather to tape anything on the VCR took not only weeks of preparation to have someone <laughs> help him with it, but he was two years into retirement. And uh, so he must have known this was going to be on yeah. and then asked someone to help him record it and make sure yeah. he had a tape yeah. and – all of that. So this, th- this was not a uh, flyby. Oh, look what's we, on. Let's record it. We, we, it was planned. This we should do an episode about the amount of labor that goes into watching television then and now because that's something I right. never thought about. No on-screen guides. Yeah. So it's either the TV guide or on-air promos or the newspaper. Newspaper that magazines would have so, notified yeah. people about this. So you, you, the amount of promotion must have been immense to let people know Pro- that this was going to happen. So. What you're about to uh, what you're about to hear, uh, or if you're watching along at home with uh, YouTube, is uh, host Monty Hall uh, uh, introducing uh, introducing Dutch. So um, what was interesting is Monty is there because he was heavily involved, I guess, with Variety Club charities. Um, but as we'll mention in a second, there's actually another another host present. And now, will you kindly join me in welcoming a man whom we greet tonight as friend. A very special friend, close to our hearts, Mr. Dutch Reagan. I hope Dutch uh, chooses uh, door number two. Dutch donned in his uh, 
Best tuxedo, scanning the uh, room, looking uh, at beaming. Who, oh, who has beaming. shown up yeah, to that's exactly him. it. That's exactly it. He seems surprised, <laughs> but really he's noticing who's not there. Yeah, that's what's so funny. If you guys are, are watch this clip, is he? Steve's right. His eyes scan that room, and it's not like the hi, I'm I'm president, and I'm just sort of <laughs> being gracious and scanning the room. He's literally like, who showed up? And he's totally checking it out. It's hilarious. A bit, a bit surprised too, which you wonder if the if the producer said, "Look, look surprised when you walk in the door." Oh right? yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he knew who was there, but uh. right, right. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm sure Nancy gave him a rundown of who's in the room. <laughs> but but what's funny? So 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 this, what's wacky from a production standpoint is that there's really two hosts for this event. It's Monty Hall, uh, and again, I assume anyone listening to this knows who Monty Hall is. But if you're not, he's a host of Let's Make a Deal for Years. Um, and uh, and then Fr- Mr. Frank Sinatra is actually host as well. Monty's there because of the charity, and Frank's there because well, he's Frank Sinatra. And, and in in Reagan's old world, Sinatra was king. And this is really about the last gasp of the sort of celebrity and power that Sinatra had uh, due to age and and, and mm-hmm. sort of changing. And 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 I will say, surprisingly, is, is Sinatra is not. Uh, mythically good in this present in this performance he makes mistakes his voice doesn't quite hold up and uh and and he, he's quite petulant about that uh, uh fact so surprising uh dean dean as steve mentioned earlier dean martin actually comes off much much better and surprisingly yeah. better uh, but still it doesn't seem like you know they blocked it at all in terms of you know where these folks are supposed to move on stage at yeah, the time yeah. because I mean Dean Martin almost the entire time he's there before he's singing you just see his back and well, well I think I think what's interesting too is you wonder is is, is shooting a, a show with that much aged talent like herding cats like even if they block the whole thing off right. who the hell knows whether they listen to anything <laughs> they're yeah. probably like I've been in this business for 40 <laughs> years kid like I'll do whatever the hell I want yeah. um, and, and what's the struggle between Monty Hall and Sinatra for hosting duties because it's, it, that's where the awkwardness comes in you'll see shots of Monty Hall talking and Sinatra just puts his hands by his waist holding the microphone like all right I'm going to talk and then when when do I get to come back in and And it seems like there's this weird dynamic of of maybe maybe it's from the old Dean Martin variety show where Reagan was always a panel a panelist it seemed to be on the dais right of those uh, variety hours and and Sinatra a part of that I and and, well and also it doesn't seem like a natural fit for Sinatra well it's like Sinatra is kind of doing that old school rat pack laid back thing that is actually still uh 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 enjoyable for audiences but the whole affair is so stiff and so formal that there's really no room for that sort of you know i'm gonna kind of roll the flow but what's funny with frank what i just want to say and 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 we'll show you the the clip when when sinatra kind of first gets up on stage but basically frank is host uh uh, my perspective is he's basically there to, to to joke around uh, sing surprisingly terrible, as I said, and basically seduce Nancy with his eyes. Mm, um, no. That's really that's really a little so, creepy. Ma- yeah, make sure you ch- ch- take a look at that when you when you see it. But um, what we'll play next is uh, Sinatra kind of comes up and uh, and does a little joking. You may be seated. Get it? Because they're all sitting. Yeah. I'm delighted to be here with Dutch and his bride. First Lady of the United States, and might I add, the First Lady of Geneva, too. Yeah, so please, please watch this clip, because he's basically hitting on Nancy right in front of Reagan, which is kind of hilarious, and um, uh, not one to throw around tawdry, uh, 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 ill-researched uh, literature, but of course, there is the famous uh, uh, Kitty Kelly uh, unauthorized biography of Nancy Reagan, I believe, in the early '90s, and she was the one who really put that out there that that she was always fooling around with Frank. Um, unsourced, not really yeah. credible, but a great fun story to think <laughs> about as sort of you know Reagan is is sort of prez or governor or whatever, and really Frank's always sneaking in the back door, um, you know, uh, at the governor's mansion or, or the White House. So so who knows? And doesn't he introduce Nancy first? So he, oh, yeah, he, yeah. he talks about Nancy, and meanwhile, Dutch is sitting at the <laughs> yeah, table yeah, yeah. saying, okay, we're going to go with her first, I guess. And uh, he says, and uh, it's, yeah, tonight we're going to call him Dutch, and uh, we can call Nancy, but I always call her beautiful. beautiful. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. In fact, here's that Dutch clip. As for tonight's guest, I'm happy to say the rules of the protocol have been relaxed. Tonight, he is Dutch. And if anyone can't handle that, you may call him Mr. Dutch, and that's okay. <laughs> as for Nancy, do as I do. Call her beautiful. 
then the perfunctory round of applause. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the, this whole this episode I think is like fifty two minutes. I think the applause breaks are about twenty six minutes. I mean, it's it's insane. But um, but uh, but Frank is is certainly not uh, the only celeb that's in attendance here uh, tonight. Um, we also want to present you with a uh, longtime LA Dodgers play by play by play man rather uh, Vin Scully. And uh, Steve's really more familiar with Vin than I am. I'm, I've never been a huge baseball fan, although I, I've heard of Vin, of course. Um, but Vin's there because this is taped in L.A., I, I believe. is mm-hmm. the only reason he's probably really there. Um, and Vin's going to uh, uh, Vin's going to uh, attempt comedy. Uh, well, Steve, you set this up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love Vin Scully. Not necessarily a Dodger fan, but I will listen to Vin Scully. And after finding this... I have lost a little bit of respect for Vin Scully. Just such a condescending introduction, almost as if he's talking to a three-year-old kid. So when you listen to this audio, don't think he's talking to the president of the United States. Right. Think of Vin Scully as addressing a his three-year-old granddaughter or something like and, that. And critics of Reagan would argue he's pretty much doing the same thing. I mean, it's yeah. Reagan. It's yeah. Reagan. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't think that trope came out until a little bit later. But I mean, it was, it was, it, I think it was, yeah. Okay, so here's uh, Vin Scully's introduction. Now, I would love to tell the story myself, but I know it wouldn't be nearly as good. And I just have a feeling that somebody in this room, somebody, might really tell the story the way it should be told. I don't see any volunteers, so uh, it looks like it's down to you and me, Dutch. What do you say? What do you say? (laughs) Yeah. What what do you say, Andrew? What do you say? It, it's like it's like well. he, yeah. It's like Vin. It's like Vin is down in like the loge level, uh, meeting like a seven year old fan, tossing his hair and being like, "You think you want to see a, a real good uh, matchup today, kiddo? Well, here's a free baseball." And like, it's just so ridiculous. How about an ice cream cone? Now, now uh, the one that the one that maybe really makes me laugh, and I'm not even a, a big uh, big fan of Vin Scully or baseball, but the one that really makes me laugh is there's al- also this clip where Sinatra is, you know, Sinatra's there to sing, so he starts singing, you know, and and also for those you know, it's taped in December, so it's holiday music, um, but he starts he starts singing Diddy, and uh, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with Scully, really in this clip, Scully is is also really the thinking man's baseball play by play announcer. Mm. And so, please, uh, uh, we'll put this clip, uh, isolate this clip, and put it up on the website. But, but Andrew, watch this. Here's a Scully reacting to a Sinatra singing a Christmas ditty. All right. It seems as though he's just birthed human thought itself. I mean, he is. And I mean, that's that's I was watching the reaction shots in a lot of these. And I don't know whether it was the editing or what. But I mean, even later, we'll see, you know, when when Reagan is listening to Charlton Heston's a horrible, horrible monologue. I, I, it just, you know, the reactions don't really fit with, yeah. you know, what's what's actually happening. Um, the magic of editing, right? The that, magic that, of editing, but Scully poorly thought could done. have been during uh, Heston's speech. In fact, that that's <laughs> actually true. That, that's true. But let's pretend that, and admittedly, it is Frank Sinatra. I mean, he is a great and one of the best singers, you know, ever. Right. He's singing Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Vin Scully is sitting there as if he's thinking about the entirety of his life. I mean, it's just <laughs> really, so he's over lost the top. in deep thought. He yeah, is. I mean, it really is. Like, oh, my God, what have he, I done? He, he could be looking at Steve Garvey, wondering if he's going to be back at first base next year. <laughs> yeah, he probably is. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about Steve in a, in a, in a little bit. But um, but I w- shall say uh, another clip that, again, we'll, we'll isolate some of these clips and put them, up, uh, put them up on the website for you while you listen to this. But... Um, but basically, Scully is, is not the only one powerless under the charm. And, and as I've, I've mentioned, uh, the surprisingly average performance of Mr. Frank Sinatra. Uh, here, the First Lady, uh, 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 beautiful Nancy Reagan, ponders what might have been while gazing at the chairman of the board. Andrew, enjoy mm. this. Oh, wow. Maybe oh. maybe I should have married Frank. <laughs> it's that 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 head turn. And, oh man! But, but at the same time, in the background, that's um, that's Maureen, the daughter. I think that's Greg, Maureen. Yeah. That she has a bit of a grimace on her face. Yeah. Well, she didn't always agree politically with everything the parents uh, were into. 
But she always played Dutiful Soldier through most of the years. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, but this is during Battle <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Not this during is not the a, speech at Geneva. This is not a right. yeah, missile summit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, maybe she's uh, you know grimacing at some of those notes uh, Sinatra's hitting, but Nancy is so enthralled in that song. Yeah. And then she, Marine's in the back kind of like, oh. But was, was everything off key? I mean, was, no, no, is no, it no, just no, the, no, it's not off key. It's just, it's it's just a... now admit I, I'm not a, an expert on Frank Sinatra, right? But you, you talk to people, 20th, you know, great Swiss singers of the 20th century. Frank's on there. Barbara Streisand's on there. You know, right? All this sort of thing. And admittedly, he's old. I mean, he's an older yeah. man. But for him, it's as if he went like, "I'll get paid, but I'm not yeah, prepping for this yeah. thing whatsoever." And then his his old reliable voice isn't quite there for him. But either he doesn't, you know, and then he, and then we'll see later as he sort of blames everyone else for that and not his own his own shortcomings. But um, but yeah, so I just love that because Nancy literally for those watching the clip, Nancy looks as if she's sitting there going, this is a great time. I'm having this is fun. I'm glad we're doing this. But damn it, maybe I should have married Frank because Frank is really serenading me and, and Dutch can't carry a tune. You know? Well, she does a head tilt and looks up at the at the ceiling for a little bit. I think, yeah. Right? yeah. At, at least wistfully. Kinda, there's yeah. a bit of a yeah. sigh like, ah. Oh. Right, yeah, and then yeah. this idea that she's thinking about <laughs> something, but all right. Well, this 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 next clip, and and there's so many we could pull. We're going to pull all these, but this next one is only for sports fans. And 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 Steve mentioned this before, but for those Dodger fans, if uh, if you've been enjoying Vin Scully, well, there's other Dodgers greats that are present too. Um, and uh, we'll put this online. Here's Steve Garvey, uh, and my question is: Is he's, he's possibly embalmed? Take a look hmm. at this. He's very shiny. <laughs> he is. I mean, now with how, the he, helmet hair. Yeah. Now, how hot was it in that studio, or did he dip himself in olive oil? I mean, that man <laughs> is. <laughs> Let me ask you, why is he there? I mean, he, is he the Barry Bonds of that generation? It's Steve he's Garvey. Not that, he's not it's that. How are we going to fill this room? He's I guess. not that I'd... big of a player. When you think of all the celebrities that showed up, why is hey. Steve Garvey hey. there? Steve. Did Vin Scully bring him as a date? I... <laughs> Steve, how many handsome baseball players are there? One Steve Garvey. <laughs> okay, and that is that is why he's in attendance. It seems uh, just like an odd choice. Uh, well, now we have to. Uh, now this is where I really show my age or age combined with looking even farther behind my my time, which is I actually know who Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet are. Um, that's no badge of honor. Uh, mm. Terrible second rate talent. Uh, who famously were parodied on Saturday Night Live in the '80s by Carvey and and uh, and uh, Phil Hartman. And they are a married couple. Too, they are a married right? couple. But basically, I, I shouldn't say this. They were probably, in certain ways, if you compared them against some singers of today, they're probably better than some singers today who maybe just rely on auto tune. But never big stars, kind of always hanging on Sinatra's coattails, opening mm-hmm. up for them at big events when normally they wouldn't be able to open something, you know, themselves. But because uh, because Frank's uh, hosting this shindig, uh, he's brought Stephen E. D. Gourmet along, of course. Um, and what's so funny is that uh, what's so funny is is ultimately Stephen E. D. Actually, have a really good set. Like they're kind of like Dean Martin. They I don't know if they extra prep for this or whatever, but they really come off well for who they are and what they're doing. But what's of course what they're doing is they're doing this the schmaltzy Americana sort of review salute with all the classics. But what I wanted to show here. Um, and for those watching at home, uh, fast forward to about the last minute of the Stephen Eady uh, performance. But they do their singing on stage, and then they walk through the crowd, as Andrew's mentioning, this weird blocking sort of situation. They they walk right up to the center table where Dutch and Nancy are sitting, and it gets a little awkward. So uh, take a take a take a look at this uh, close singing. Yep. You're a foot away, too far away, getting closer. <laughs> yep, grab him. He's not close enough. Reagan not quite looking like he's sure what's going on here. Yeah, he has no and then, idea. And then starts to sing along. He's, he's decided to well, roll Well, because Steve it. starts yell singing at him. Yeah, there's no reason to get up on that dais with them. I mean, there's not that much space. I do like how they have the Reagans on the swivel chairs, and everybody else has a fixed chair, so Reagan can I didn't you know, notice turn around and. Hmm. So the thing about this, though, yeah, go for that it. to me, this is where the politics come out. So they sing this whole medley of everything, but I think what Yankee Doodle Dandy, to yeah. God bless America. 
But at the end, right, they're they're cascading over to the great leader. They stand him up. Great they're leader. singing God Bless America. They put their arms around each other. Steve Lawrence hugs Nancy. And now they're singing with their arms almost in a circle, all holding on to each other. And Edie is shorter than Reagan. Right? right. So right. so she's looking up at Reagan, almost saying, God oh, yeah. bless America yeah, because yeah. of you. I mean, the, the rhetoric is so oh, thick. Yeah. That yeah. It just it, it, it's it's like this is the greatest country in the world because of you, the right. one man who, you know, and, and so the yeah. politics. just. And I mean, I, I don't know if we're going to we're going to see the part with Burt Reynolds, but Burt Reynolds literally says that, you know, Dutch is now president and thank God for that. Right. Yeah. Oh, well. but but and Andrew, I think you probably are the best expert on this. But wasn't there a famous Seinfeld episode with about like close talking? Yes. Yes. Right. Uh, who is dating a close talker? Um, I think Elaine. I think or was that so. the guy that sidles up or was it the same guy? I think it was Judge Reinhold. But, right. But, but yeah. But but I mean, so so imagine that. But imagine it, them singing at you. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. what you're seeing here yeah. with Edie and Dutch. <laughs> and not only that, but then like you said, physically grabbing, like like as if please yeah. come closer right. so I can give you my worship uh, of you as American leader. I mean, it's insane. When Listen, you watch I want it, to sing this song into you, <laughs> yeah. into your body, <laughs> into your when, bones. When, when you watch it, though, are you surprised that Reagan he stands up? Edie makes him stand up. I think she grabs yeah, his yeah, hand. Yeah. He stands up, but he doesn't sing. He just stares at her, and she's singing right yeah. in his face. And when does he start singing? The last word of home. I guess he decided, like, well, I, yeah. I guess I better do something. They're not going away. I, I mean, I'm right. just wondering. Yeah. I would have started singing earlier, but I guess he's well, I think, caught I think, off guard. Or... I think his, his, his survival instincts kicked in because then st- – we can't see this, of course, because of that wonderful blocking because Steve's back is to the camera. Yeah. But yeah. Steve kicks in because he ends the song. He kicks into that long note or whatever, but he's right at Reagan. I think his survival <laughs> yeah. mechanism kicked in. He's like, well, F it. I'm going to sing right back at Steve because this is going to get crazy. <laughs> Those fingers in my hair That sly come hither stare That strips my conscience bare It's witchcraft Frank's pretty pissed at being upstage and and this is similar to an earlier point in the broadcast where he basically misses a note which is really surprising and then his backup singers, because, you know, they want to do good for the boss, they really kick it up, really sound good, like to kind of cover for him, you know, even though he kind of screwed it up. <laughs> um, and instead of being thankful, Sinatra just turns and glares at them and, uh, and, and really kind of puts his foot down. And it's just all quite pathetic. So uh, we're going we're gonna to listen to this and, and watch this now. Mm. Yeah, you fucked that one up, Frank. Trying to help. <laughs> Pipe down back there. Am I, am I the only one seeing that? I mean, does no, he not? No, no, yeah. He, not? he even starts singing to them in the next verse, right? As, as, a, as, a, as a, like a teacher to a pupil, he's like, you better not fucking upstage me. I'm glaring at you. I mean, it's terrible. You know, one thing that we haven't talked about, think about the song selection. If if this was to happen today, I guarantee you, you would hear some top forty songs. There there'd be some artist probably singing their top forty hit nowadays. Right. This is all just music that is traditional. I don't want to say copyright free, but have yourself a merry little Christmas. Right. All the standards of Yankee Doodle Dandy and Americana. Um, right, there's there's not yeah. one song sung here right. that, that isn't performed before 1940. When right. you think about it, and, right? And I mean, and, and I mean, part of that is it's a salute to him, and not it's not his salute to America or something. The other thing is, is they did try. There, oh, I don't know if you've ever seen these photos. There's like photos of them with Michael Jackson. There's this bizarre one of Nancy on Mr. T's uh, lap when Mr. T is Santa in the White House. So they definitely had attempts at reaching out through pop culture. But, yeah, this one, and I didn't pull this clip. We are not going to subject you to this. But there's a god-awful section with uh, Reagan. No, with young teen actors reenact or maybe they're actually from the college reenacting his old college fight song and and reagan eureka and reagan joins in but yeah that's about as far as we get with with the with the the contemporary youth uh, push. (laughs) yeah yeah something we're probably not have enough time for but you know if you're listening at home you're definitely gonna want to fast forward to that part please cringe to that um well i will say that the i hope you've been enjoying the clips we've been we've been uh, uh looking at so far but We are now going to take a very important commercial break uh, in the middle of this all-star party. Here you go. Next, over 30. 
greatest performers, witness death-defying acts, <laughs> astounding feats, amazing magic, riotous comedy, and big-top showmanship. Join hosts Vic Clark, B. Arthur, Herb Griffin, and special guest Burt Lancaster for the all-new Circus of the Stars. Oh, this is CBS. Lord. So we'll start. We'll start by just saying, what's the difference between the tenth annual Circus with the Stars and the uh, All Star Salute for Dutch Reagan? Three rings, both of them. Death defying uh, stunts. Death defying <laughs> stunts. Oh, I, I, now notice this is the tenth annual. Yeah. I, I need to find the 1976 oh, yeah. Circus yeah, yeah. with the Stars. I, I want to see Barney Miller on the high <laughs> wire or, or uh, Magnum P.I. Uh, being shot out of the cannon. cannon. Well, but this is this is exactly the thing. I When I see this, I think of, because I grew up watching and, and I still adore SCTV, which was yeah. an outgrowth of Second City. And they would make fun of this stuff and parody it constantly because they because you have to understand those guys they were comedians but they're also really good actors and some of them like Martin Short could sing really well mm-hmm. as, you know all this and they would sit there and be like these people are freaking stars and look at this kind of crap that they put out you know yep. on, on network TV so they'd always make fun, like they did one uh, they did one where it was. Uh, uh, Siskel and Ebert's variety show, and it was them doing like doing like sketches and and circus bits and comedy bits and all this kind of silliness. But uh, yeah, so I think about I, I think about that, and then uh, I also think about you know uh, another favorite of mine like the La- Larry Sanders show from the '90s because they they'd always play within that kind of Hollywood world. And I remember there's an episode where he he's supposed to host the People's Choice Awards, and they do this kind of stupid. You know, he's like, I'll, I'm not doing a dance routine. Like I'll host, but I won't do a dance routine. Um, so yeah, it's just like you see this, and then and then we know it's on CBS. You said it's after sixty minutes, so you know it's an old crowd. And then you're like, oh my god! Then I got to watch freaking like you said, like MacGyver get shot out of a cannon for like an hour. Like it's just <laughs> well, you realize that, that this is still on the air today, right? What show has this just been reincarnated with? Uh, well, I mean, this is this is any reality competition show. Yeah, I mean, because exactly. Dancing with the Stars, Dancing with the Stars. Right? There's all your favorite celebrities, young and old. Going out, right. seeing if they can dance. Now they're not on high wires or spinning plates like Phyllis right, Diller yeah. is in that commercial. Oh, oh that was what would they say? Uh, not high comedy, comedy hijinks. I think or something <laughs> yeah, like spinning plates <laughs> yeah. on sticks. But I mean, that, that's essentially Dancing with the Stars. I, I would argue. And, is, yeah, and is, this and is the that, spectacle that, that right? yeah that that TV you know did very well for a long time and and still continues to do. Um, and you know, part of the appeal for some of these shows. And they did the well. They also had in the seventies, the and uh, early eighties, Battle of the Network Stars, mm-hmm. um, which was essentially in the age of of Charlie's Angels, was essentially a glorified TNA network approved session because they would hire all the starlets, TV stars, the hunky guys, whatever. Mm-hmm dress them in as little as possible athletic gear and then they would you know i don't know do the sack race or something i mean it was just <laughs> yeah. it was just insane um but yeah i agree with steve it, it, it is the same thing but it, it it's just sort of insane um well we're going to continue the commercials here as we take our break uh between go, getting back into the all-star party here's another fun uh, uh fun commercial uh featuring uh, quite a number of stars uh promoting their country <laughs> now everything that says American oh, made style and quality says it proudly. Made in the USA. Ask for the Made in the USA label because it does matter. Okay, relax. <laughs> Jesus. You better believe it matters to me. Oh, so Andrew, how are you? Can you name all our can you name all our stars in the Made, uh, made in the USA commercial? Pro- probably, probably n- not. Uh, I, I recognize Crockett. Okay, um, I'll, I'll start you off. So we have we have we have uh, uh, legendary Diane Carroll looking uh-huh. gorgeous, and night even though she was probably a little older at that point. We then had uh, uh, famous Sonny Crockett played by uh, Don Johnson. Don, Don Johnson. Johnson. Then we had uh, Sally Struthers. No, no, no. Before Sally. I'll tell you what's terribly what's terribly made in the USA. The only commercial that can make Linda Carter look terrible. That was Linda Carter, TV's Wonder Woman in 1985, looking like a oh, VP wow. of, of business administration. I didn't recognize her. Yeah, terrible. And then Sally Struthers yelling at us about her love for Made in the USA. <laughs> and then followed by, did you catch who the big, Bob, big, big star? Bob Hope. Yeah, Bob Hope. Uh. Bob Hope coming out of his trailer, probably visiting one of the young starlets he uh, he coached. He coached <laughs> and met on the side. Now, now here, here's an interesting thing: Don Johnson had in later years after Miami Vice 
said that all of his clothes were made by Italian designers. <laughs> <laughs> you wonder about. I, it doesn't I don't matter know if it was to the him. Tonight Show, yeah. but there's a clip on YouTube. You can see him talking about his Italian design clothes and stuff like that. The thing is, it just oh. says, it matters to me. They don't right. actually say they wear right, it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. no. But, I mean, now if we're looking at this in the context, like Steve's been sort of looking at this as this huge political statement. So we've got we've got sort of a, a nod to old Hollywood, no contemporary music or, 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 or stars. Then you have the sort of uh, tried and true formula of circus with the stars, this sort of, you know, standard network fare. And then on top of it, you have made in the USA. Now, obviously, the, you know, when they were buying ads for that, they went, well, we have this presidential thing. So, of course, we want something that's it's right for made in the USA. But the combined effect is this this rhetoric, this like, you know, go America. It's 85. Everything's great. And and we're about to go into the Christmas season, you know, buying season, et cetera. Um, so it's just the whole effect is just so over the top. It, it, it's kind of insane. Um, and also, well, I'll get in. I'll hold this this thought off. I'll come back to it uh, uh, when we get back into the all-star party. Life was good in 1985, wasn't it? For some people. You spend an hour watching this and you yeah. really start to think, man, I miss 1985. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah and, that, and that's the thing, too. I mean, kind of like we've been saying. And, you know, for those of you listening at home, um, you know, if you're not – that up to, you know, the the American politics in the 80s, you probably have some kind of sense that, you know, patriotism was back in vogue. But um, and but that was essentially it. Right. Uh, Reagan represented, you know, the, he ran in 1980s. You know, it's now morning in America. So the United States is coming out of the 70s, uh, the Jimmy Carter presidency, the the malaise, uh, uh, you know, economic downturn. Uh, people were doubting um, American exceptionalism probably for the first time in uh, in the history of the United States. And here comes Ronnie Reagan with, you know, his kind of rose-colored glasses uh, uh, viewpoint and perspective um, and, and vast, vast amount of confidence in what America could be, even as it doubted itself, right? So, I mean, this kind of gives birth to this moment, even though, you know, the, as, you know, John and Steve, you've kind of been saying, it wasn't really a good time for a lot of people. Um, but this this was the rhetoric. This was the ideology that, that Reagan represented. And it, and it comes out in some of the clips that we've seen and, and we will yeah. see. And I'll, I'll just add uh, for those listening who are actually older than us and live through the time period you can tell us what it was actually like uh, <laughs> beyond what we know intellectually <laughs> um okay we're gonna get back to the all-star party in just a minute everybody loves somebody sometimes everybody falls in love somehow told me my sometime is now everybody find somebody someplace there's no telling where love may appear getting back into the all-star party one of the more troubling clips of this what we call entertainment um for those of you who are watching along, you'll notice that they invited uh, uh, Ben Vereen, and they also invited Emmanuel Lewis. Um, at the time, Ben was uh, 40 years old, a uh, superstar, Broadway star, uh, and basically known as a great song and dance man. Uh, Emmanuel, at the time of this recording, was 15 years old, and he made his money basically playing a much younger child on the sitcom Webster. So when you really think about that, they seem to be very different performers, yet for some reason some reason geez i can't quite figure out what it could be they decided to have these two uh this this boy and this man perform together um the other thing that's weird about this is this entire room remember this entire room is filled with showbiz legends who all know the big rule of show business then at least was don't work with kids or animals so what do they do <laughs> well they invite ben who's a broadway tony winning star and they have him do a little soft shoe routine with webster now, Andrew, can you provide any context as to why other reasons they would have had a wonderful superstar, adult man, Bren Vereen, do a little soft shoe with uh, Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it had to do with a wonderful little show called Webster, <laughs> oh. um, which had, I think it was in its second or third season by 1985, by the time this, this Dutch special uh, is on. But Ben Vereen actually played um, Webster's uh, uncle, uh, Uncle Philip Long, hmm. um, who uh, was, you know, I think they kind of explained this on the show, but you kind of have to infer it a little bit. But so 
Ben Vereen was Webster's Uncle Philip, but he was also Ben Vereen. So I think Ben Vereen was supposed to be like the stage name, but he was really Uncle Philip right. sort of thing. And he popped in, I think it was in like maybe a dozen episodes um, as Uncle Philip slash Ben Vereen. Um, but, you know, over the course of the show, uh, they, they did a lot of this soft shoe kind of bit together. Um, and there's one classic episode where Webster has to overcome stage fright. That's, that's the big plot or the conflict. Uh, and he's invited on Ben Vereen's show on, uh, I guess it's supposed to be on Chicago Local Access. Um, but yeah, they, they go on and they, and they, do the, they do the little routine, the song and dance. And, you know, Webster is this really plucky, uh, plucky kid. And uh, uh, so, so that's, that's what it was. So, I mean, okay, so you provide, there's some, at least some logical reason as to why these two were presented at this time. I get it. They're on the sitcom together. But if you watch this thing, I mean... Am I the only one that watched this and kind of had sort of had horrible shades of like Shirley Temple dancing with like Bilbo Jangles and like this sort of infant infantilism uh, uh, of it all? There is a purpose for this, though. Right. This is where Hollywood and politics are colliding. So we already get the sense after all these performances we've talked about that Reagan is this great president. America's in great shape. But who, what, what's the big industry in America? It's Hollywood. So you need to get some kind of credibility, right, where Hollywood's going to collide with politics. And after this is when we, we get even more political when all the children come out. Right. So there's a children's segment that we'll talk mm-hmm. about in a little bit that follows this. So you need a child performer to help set up this child segment. But can the child hold the song all by himself? Probably not. You need an established song and dance person. So who was a really popular child star at the time? Maybe Punky Brewster, right. maybe Webster. So I mm. think their choices I, were limited in what they were trying I, to set up. I get this, but if this is a salute to Dutch Reagan, I feel it is truly a salute to Dutch Reagan and his perspective on on African Americans in the in in Hollywood at the time. I mean, if you look about it and look at the clips with us as you're as you're listening, but and correct me if I'm wrong, but I counted. So we have Ben Vereen, superstar Broadway star, Emmanuel Lewis, sitcom star, Rosie Greer, former NFL star uh, for the Rams, and, mm. and I think he played for the bit Giants, actor, Giants yeah. and bit, bit actor, and, and reverend to the stars. And actually, in all seriousness, I think I've told you guys this, you know who where he was most famously uh, in 1968? Oh, yeah, you told me. He was uh, security for RFK? Yeah, he was yeah. there when RFK got assassinated. He actually he actually took the gun that. out of Sirhan Sirhan, helped yeah. one of the guys that helped take the gun out of Sirhan mm. Sirhan's hand. But, uh, uh, so... I count three African-American stars amongst the, what, about 100 that are here yeah. in attendance? Yeah. So it just it's just uncomfortable. At least in my perspective, it's uncomfortable the way they've set this up. I mean, you could have had them do anything, any right. routine. And again, if you combine that with this weird blocking of, of the Nancy and Reagan uh, uh, reaction shots, it just comes off literally like you are back in, like, 42, going like, yeah, I'm not gonna, you know, I was just like, boy, aren't they, aren't they uh, amazing? Those, you know, dancers, you know, that kind of thing. It just feels very unequal. Yeah. It feels very weird. No, I get to what you're saying. There, there is like, a, there's a different dynamic there's to their performance. Uh, and out and, it, performance, and I admittedly, think. I get it. Sinatra is old at this point, so everyone is young to him. I understand that, but he does introduce them. Here are two of the most talented young men you'll ever, you'll ever meet, and it's like, dude. I freaking want a Tony. I'm fucking Ben Vereen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, like it's just, it just, it just is weird. But, but enough setup. We'll let you guys yeah. uh, decide. Uh, well, you look at gender too. How many women are performing in here other than Edie Gourmet? That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, an entirely and, male dominant and, show as well. And, and so, Betty, sure. Betty White, Betty White is in attendance, and there is no performance. I mean, she could. She, there's no comedy from Betty. Yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's uh, let's watch Ben and uh, and fifteen uh, year old Emmanuel Lewis. Uh, playing cutesy as he successfully did back in '85. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, two very gifted and talented young men, Emmanuel Lewis and Ben Vereen. And this is a little bit long of a clip, so we can always cut this off. But uh, if you're watching, you'll get the idea.
He's picked up Webster and he's carrying <laughs> yeah. down the yeah. stairs. Yeah, he, he's t- taking a playbook for a p- page from the playbook of Michael Jackson and started carrying around Emmanuel uh, Lewis. Now again, I get the context. If they did this on Webster, then I get it. But yeah, it just so doesn't there, there feel is right. a history there, or you know, a, yeah, a recognition. But it does it does seem a little tacked on. A bit of a, a profiling going on. You know? Yeah, it's just like why can't they pair Ben with? Uh, some gorgeous Hollywood dancer, well, actress. Because, it, well, again, I'm thinking the kids follow this. So you need a child right. actor. And yeah. I don't know enough about 1985 context. Punky Brewster, I think, was popular back yeah. then. You could have had a, a girl yeah. performing. And Emmanuel Lewis does approach Nancy Reagan and thank her for her work with, with children, right? Yeah. So, oh, and then they bring out all the kids on the, of the world, quote unquote. Oh, yeah. It's, it's like the, it's a small world thing. I mean, it's it's sort of the old the old test, right? And I don't want to beat this into the ground because we honestly we have too much uh, Chuck Heston to get to. But you know, pick your pick your an- white analog if if there is such a thing to Ben Vereen, right? Just some show stopping great Broadway actor who's a, an adult male, and say like, can you do a routine with a kid? Who would a who would it be? And b when would you ever ask of that? You probably mm. wouldn't. So it's just, it's just weird. It, yeah, it's just, I, just I, th- I think we'd have to ask the producers of Webster. And I don't I actually don't know if Ben Vereen was involved with the development of that or not. But no, and then really, who's doing all the casting for this as well? I, I yeah. thought maybe maybe donors are in the audience. That when you ask how did Steve Garvey show up, maybe he was a big contributor to Reagan's campaign because that had only happened a year prior. But yeah, but the other idea is who's producing this? Do right. White House. Um, staff have say in who's being cast during this. Is it Hollywood doing this for Reagan? Does NBC right. they don't have give a, us that look, information? Do right, they? Or CBS yeah. rather? Do they have? Look, I'm just saying, if it's 85, why couldn't we see Mr. T in a tux? Okay, why couldn't he? Okay, been granted, in a granted. <laughs> Mr. T must have been a liberal, I guess. I don't, I don't know Mr. T's uh, political affiliation, well, but he does not appear in this. This is one more clip that uh, uh, Steve and Andrew are going to indulge me in because it just makes me laugh so much. But um. Uh, in the middle of this party, as as we mentioned, there's just lots of reaction shots, and we don't know if they've been edited, how much they've been edited. But Rosie, as I mentioned, NFL great Rosie Greer is in attendance. He he's sort of always around Hollywood in one way or another. And there's just this unnecessarily long reaction shot of Rosie Greer uh, laughing, I believe, after uh, Burt Reynolds uh, attempts something funny. Uh, so you're going to enjoy this. I was going to do a remake of Cattle Queen of Montana, but they wanted me to play the title role. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie, Rosie, it's as if Rosie's heard the greatest joke in the world, and he yeah, just I know, goes and that's, for it. That's a, oh god, it's not a good joke. Uh, no, and and for the record, I cannot look at Burt Reynolds and not think of Norm Macdonald anymore. Uh, thank you, <laughs> SNL. Oh, I was going to say, I was yeah. going to say, this entire production, who really gets the award? Those who uh, maintain those hair pieces. Burt <laughs> looks fantastic. Heston's looks fantastic. Everyone else uh, is looking Maybe quite there good. was a wig master. Sinatra. Sin- oh, yeah, Sinatra. Yeah. Definitely wearing a piece. Okay. Well, we keep talking about this, and now we're finally, now we're finally at it. Um, uh, uh, Moses himself, Charlton Heston, is uh, in attendance. And uh, this is really the time of the program. You want to get out your Kleenex. Because Chuck and his indomitable hairpiece, they've come to do what they get paid the big bucks to do. And that is recite a monologue with gravitas perfectly so that even if you were reading the instruction manual for your kitchen toaster, it would sound important. So here's Chuck's part one salute to Dutch. You know, when I uh, got here tonight, I wasn't certain what to expect. Except a, a great party, variety clubs, and uh, Francis Albert kind of guarantee that. A party for the president and the first lady on a first-name basis. That's it's a great idea, just like the old days. Actually, back at the Screen Actors Guild, it, uh, it wasn't Dutch. It was Ron or Ronnie to the old hands. I, I was new on the board then. We were in the middle of a tough strike, and he had appointed me to the negotiating team. I remember coming home very late one night after a long session, 4 a.m., Lydia woke up. Honey, I said, we've got a leader. Yeah, you could say that. (laughs) That's what I was thinking about when I watched the two of them come into the room tonight. 
But they walk a road now that we can't possibly know, and they walk it for us. A little less than five years ago, in Washington at the ceremonies marking his first inauguration, I said, tomorrow at high noon, on the steps of the Capitol, one man will take in his hand the most awesome power and influence ever held by a single human being. He will be thenceforth forever wrapped in legend and myth. He will also pick up a burden of responsibility that has no known counterpart in the civilized world. Ronald Reagan will become the lineal descendant of Washington and Adams, Jefferson and Jackson, Lincoln, Wilson, Roosevelt. With them, he will be linked to the very birth date of this republic. And so he has. So he has. Truly, you are the king of kings. <laughs> I mean, that's all that's missing from that, right? Yeah, well, I mean, what I think of, too, truly is... You are. Truly, you are. Do you remember, I think it's like Wayne's World 2, where they've got yeah. the bad actor, and Very he literally well. goes, he stops him, he goes, I don't mean to be rude, but I mean, can't I know it's a bit part, but can't we just get a good actor? And he throws that actor out, and Chuck Heston comes in in the same outfit, and he goes, uh, Gordon he, Street. Yeah, he goes, Gordon Street. Ah, yes, Gordon. I once knew a girl on Gordon Street. Ah, the prettiest <laughs> girl I'd ever... And, and literally, uh, my, uh, Wayne, whatever his last name is, he... he he starts crying, right? Because the speech is mm-hmm. so good, and that's essentially what what Chuck is is hired to do. And and I must say, from a performance standpoint, I mean, you said Chuck, can you show up and do this? He shows up and yeah. he hits his marks perfectly. Sure, sure. I mean, he del- he doesn't make a mistake. And, and who it's, wrote the speech? That's what I want to know. Well, yeah, but but then you also think of you know because later, of course, Chuck, you know, without a career and feeling out of it, he, NRA comes into him, and so you know he becomes a spokesman for NRA to do this kind of same from my cold dead hands, yeah. you know, all this sort of crap. But it's like, oh my god. But yeah, I mean that performance <laughs> though. I mean it's it's almost as if yeah, you fly out, you know, NBC Studio Four in Burbank, and you fly in some set from Ben Hur. <laughs> it would be the exact same delivery. I mean, he could be talking to a centurion, you know. Yeah. I mean, Speaking of SNL though, they're they're fun with real audio. If, oh, if you yeah. could take the audio of this speech and just put it in the oh, different yeah. Yeah, 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 scenes, yeah. it would be tremendously funny because he delivers it with such but, power. I mean, he so so admittedly, you know, does, does Chuck Heston have a lot of range as an actor? Not really. He just sort of that's his bread and butter. But even within that, you know, he he hits it perfectly right. As he he does these sort of, I'm just kind of talking offhand. You know, the uh, I came home late one night. You know, my wife and uh, and and then he kicks it right back up. And I said, you know, honey. We have a real leader, you know, and it's just like, oh, my God, like what a performance. And you can't see this on the podcast, obviously, but if you watch the clip, he begins by walking from his table out to the middle of the floor. That's perfect. And he's like, when I arrived here tonight, I didn't know what to expect. Right. And and he's walking while he's saying it. He's emerging from the crowd of these celebrities. He's doing a scene. He's doing a scene. And Reagan is situated. The the camera shot has him behind a bed of poinsettias (laughs) on the table. So it's, it's his head and shoulders above all these poinsettias. And he's and it's just it's a, a but very it, funny it's, setup. It's it's literally you know it's like Chuck 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 is in a movie right? He's going okay. So my mark is here. You have to by by the fourth line. You have to end by standing here. You're going to make this gesture. Turn your head this way. You know blah blah. blah. It's it's a masterful yeah. performance. But I will say because now we want to show you part two. Wait, there's quite, more. That wasn't yeah, it. Right? Yeah, that wasn't it. Yeah, it goes now, on forever. Th- now, this second part really makes the first part seem as if Chuck's not even trying. Um, this second part is where Chuck really earns his supper that night as he uh, as he kicks it into high gear. <laughs> we watch him laugh. We see Nancy's foot tap to the music. But we know, sir, you are us. To the world, you are America. Your yes is our yes. Your no is ours. You are every man and woman in this nation. You speak to mankind in our name. You carry the torch that was flamed by Patrick Henry's passion for liberty, Tom Taine's common sense, and Tom Jefferson's most uncommon wisdom. Lifted by the memory of those soldiers, known and unknown, whose bodies, in your words, lie in the only foreign soil this country occupies. The president. What do we 
Pray for him. What do we wish from him? For him. What can he pledge to us? What can we say to help him? American writers have spoken eloquently to this question. Among them, Thomas Wolfe, William Faulkner, F. Scott Fitzgerald have said, it's a fabulous country. The only fabulous country where miracles can happen all the time. I refuse to accept the end of man. He will prevail because alone among all creatures, he has a soul, spirit capable of compassion and endurance and sacrifice. In this country, there is a willingness of the heart. And as you lead us into the uncertain, beleaguered future, in the broad swell of continent between those shining seas, let me say for all of us, Mr. President, in the words of a song you'll remember, God shed his grace on me. I just get it. Wow. Yeah, wow. it's standing ovation yeah, in, in the studio today. Uh, this is I'll a podcast you, where miracles happen all yeah, the time. Just, just, I'll give you a moment to collect yourselves. I mean, yeah, I mean, but I mean, this, is, this is so great. And I mean, I, I like that Steve <laughs> brought up the question, like, who who wrote this speech for Charlton Heston? Because, I mean, it seems, and, and that's that's the charm that I think I found, the ironic charm that I find in this whole special is that it's, this is where Reagan wants to be, you know? He's not, he never really was used to the idea that there would be people out there that didn't like him, right? I mean, that's what biographers kind of tell us about him, that he saw the world through these rose-colored glasses, sort of naivete around him. And he even says that, Reagan himself, at the end of this special. He kind of jokes saying, you know, I, I wish uh, you guys were all under oath, uh, all the great things you've said about me. I wish some of you uh, were, were, were uh, representatives of Congress, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this is really what, where he wants to be. And the whole thing is just, you know, bathed in this glow of nostalgia and you know and even for all of that Reagan remains kind of aloof which is another part of his character right I mean he's kind of inscrutable at some times you know he really appreciates stuff you know he loves being there um, but at the same time you know Charlton Heston's you know giving this 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 monologue of world historical importance um, you know kind of associating Reagan with you know all of the the American greats of politics and literature and Reagan's just kind of got this face on him like I now yeah and and some of those greats are of course Tom Jefferson you know which Chuck oh, yeah, we're on, knows yeah. on a, on a on a short name basis but I have to say and I agree with you about the aloofness with Reagan but I read that scene as I think Reagan was about to cry I mean he seemed yeah. really broken up by that which of course then says well then he's sort of shallow as it is and this is really what made most uh, uh, was, was most important well he did cry this. for Sinatra at the end of Merry Little Christmas oh he did okay. yeah I don't I know if you caught that, that. yeah he did tear up a little bit like, he, I think, he wiped a tear away I think you know the idea that that superstar Hollywood superstar Charlton Heston does this boffo monologue for you in front of you I think Reagan understood it that it's because he's president but I think in his heart of hearts it was Hollywood superstar and friend giving yeah. me a big Hollywood salute. And he was kind of like, yep, I'm Dutch. Oh, <laughs> man, I'm going to lose it. Fairy tales can come true. It can happen to you. If you're young at heart. For it's hard, you will find, to be narrow of mind. I, I would if like to run the young. Webster with the children of the world. When the, 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 the line is, he says, I want to speak for all the children of the world, you, you and can, I'll tell you this. I'm thinking, who? Run, run, run whatever you want, Steve, but I'll say, I'll, I'll voice my... I just have such a problem, and I understand the poor guy has to live with a condition where, it, much like Gary Coleman, you know, you're mm -hmm. perceived as mm -hmm. younger than you are. But I was talking about Steve with this. He's 15 years old. He's 15. He's, yeah. a, he's a superstar sitcom guy at 15 years old. And you listen to him, the way he does this performance with Nancy. He's like he's it's like he's on Webster. He's like playing seven years old. Like it's just weird. It's not how I would think a 15 year old would address. But Well, did you see how Ben Vereen acted, though? Oh well, yeah, Ben Breen's like oh, I just met the president. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, well, yeah, ben, <laughs> that, that wasn't exactly Ben, ben, uh, give, ben in give, character either. Ben gives a yeah. Ben gives a weird yeah. I agree. Ben gives watches. He gives this awkward performance where 
he's trying to do because I think Ben is originally from. He says he's from Brooklyn or the Bronx. Or yes, something. Brooklyn. So he's trying to do this like I'm an every guy, every average every guy, and I'm getting to have dinner with the president. Like that's his joke. But a, you're not an average guy. You're fucking Ben Vereen. <laughs> okay. Secondly. It's just we. It's just weird because it's all so formal and it's all I don't know. It, uh, play, please enjoy playing this. I may opt out of this because I hate this clip. It's just it's so crazy. Can we get Ben Vereen on the podcast? Yeah, you, you, you yeah. <laughs> ben, if you're moment? out there, uh, my phone number. Yeah. Ben, is, yeah. How you doing, Dutch? <laughs> this is great. A guy from Brooklyn calling the president, Dutch. Are you ready? Fine. Miss Reagan. Thank you for all the kids in the world. I want to thank you for doing the, all that you've done for us. And stay away from drugs and get away from drugs so they can grow up with their head on straight. The way kids should. Thank you. Well, Dutch, Nancy, rather beautiful. Um, here are some of those kids. The International Children's Choir. They're from 50 different nations, and uh, they're here to wish you, as all of us wish to wish you, peace on earth. God bless you. And here comes the cast of It's a Small World. <laughs> Straight from Disney World. And so now the, the children are parading and filling in from different entrances all around the Reagan's table. In their uh, traditional Stereotypical costume. costume of their country. I guess that was how it was And we have presented. now a jib shot overhead of all the children surrounding Reagan singing to him and shaking his hand. I just want him to ask, vote for me. <laughs> And and Webster has spoken for all the kids in the world. Yeah. yeah and I, I will correct myself. I'm sorry. He was only 14. He wasn't oh. 15. So he should sound as if he's seven. Now, at this point, Reagan has a microphone, too, a handheld microphone that someone had given him, I guess, to... So we can hear him thanking the children. Well, I'm planning missile strikes against your country, little girl. And then we fade to black to a commercial break. (laughs) Where the producer then yelled, cut, and I can just imagine, all right, get the kids out of there, let's block for the next (laughs) shot. (laughs) And the moment is over. Move them out, put in the catering tables. I got chasens at the door. Come on. <laughs> and then what really makes me laugh, and we didn't, we don't have to show this, but, but you know, obviously Chuck's one of the bigger highlights of the of the show as he does the big monologue, right? So you would think that he'd be like right up on the top of the list of who who uh, 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 Reagan thanks. But in fact, he's one of the last, and they keep cutting to Chuck, and Chuck yeah. looks, oh, he's Chuck scowling. looks pissed. Oh, I mean, you think he's going to get that that NRA rifle out? I mean, he's just he's just yeah, an angry I noticed dude. that too. And then finally, finally, Reagan's like, and you know, Charlton, you know, Chuck, you've you really did a great speech, really meant a lot to me. And then he's all smile. Oh yeah, of course, Ron, I'm there for you. But it's so funny. It's like you can tell he's like, you better thank me. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope you've had as good of a time as we have attending this all star party. For Andrew, Steve, and the rest of tonight's stars, make sure you drive safe and don't forget to tip the valet. Good night, everybody. Good night. I got to get this tux back. It's rented. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Salvati's wardrobe this evening provided by Armani.